Hello everyone, it's your buddy Brooks. I'm back for another episode of Barbell Buddha Rediscovered. This one is episode number 57, and it is called Stepping Towards Bliss. Man, I gotta tell you, we have a lot of shit that we gotta talk about today. I'll just start there. Um, I'm gonna start just by giving you a rundown of what you can expect. The first thing you can expect is I, I need to catch you up on what's been going on with me personally because I got some I got some uh, issues that I need help with and Chris uh, in his in his perfect way had exactly the thing I needed to hear today and I hope that this uh, I hope that this can help you in some way because um, the world is in a process, a radical process of change. And where we are in the Chris's story is that he himself is facilitating radical change for himself. And so Chris's work is taking on an even, even broader value for what it brings to us in this time. Where are we? Well, I mean, let's just call it what it is. I'm, I'm, it's, well, first of all, first of all, it is Friday, Vice Friday, June 5th, and tomorrow, by the time you listen to this podcast, it will be Saturday, the 6th, and this will be the four-year anniversary since Chris's passing, and um, the more I continue to reflect on that moment in time, and the more that I continue to dive in and try to understand Chris's work, and the more I see the external world changing around me, who better to lean on during this time? Whose words better to lean on than a person who was facilitating some radical change for himself? Because like it or not, everybody, we're going through some real change. And we don't always get to pick the type of change we want to uh, embrace, but we do get to choose whether or not we lean in. And I hope by the end of this show, you'll have some new perspective, some new nuggets to chew on, and I hope that after the end of this, you choose to lean in. Well, what's been going on with me? Let's, let's start there. You know, with the gym recess, I'm in a consistent learning all the time. I'm just always in a state of learning because uh, each time I, each week I go by, each episode I turn over uh, in Chris's catalog, each time I sit down to read, I just finished Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, like each time I get a little bit closer to feeling like I understand what he's, he's getting at. And, and all, the, all the areas that, of blind spots that I had through his work for my own life. Um, because Every time I peel away another layer, it seems that Chris is speaking so much truth to what I'm experiencing right now. COVID-19 shows up and, you know, nobody, nobody, many people expected this. There have been academic research papers on the possibility of coronaviruses out there spreading and becoming something just like this. So there's lots of precedent and thought for what's going on, but the average person isn't looking into these things. And so this is, is starting to catch, it has caught, it caught many people off guard. We're well into this. It would be hard to be caught off guard by it now. But it's had this trickle-down effect that um, is, as Chris would put it, disrupting the plan showing you that the plan that you put into the plan that you're trying to put into place where it meets with the world at large can be a 
can be very different. It's important to plan, but it's also re- important and valuable to remember. Sorry about the hard P there. It's important and valuable to remember that um, the plan is always going to change once you put it in mixture with reality. And the way that's worked out for me is that, you know, I was already doing most of my work, my personal work, outside of the gym walls. I was working with schools. I was working with nonprofit organizations. And once the coronavirus hit, it was like an obvious that gyms needed to evolve really, really, really rapidly if they wanted to at least maintain through this difficult time. And so um, when we did that, we started Recess Online, we we realized that we had an opportunity. We, our community actually grew in a strange way. Uh, at least my personal and my wife's personal client list grew. The independent contractors still maintain many of their clients, but we realized that we were missing out on an opportunity to reach people outside of our city in a very effective and, 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 and possibly valuable way. But of course, in that mindset, I'm, I'm still thinking health because that's the, the main topic, right? The coronavirus is bringing up a lot of conversations about health of systems and about individual health. Um, and so after that's going on and we realize that this is no, no real end in sight, we opted to exit the building and we've been navigating, I've been navigating um, through that process. And, you know, what I realized is that you know, as I was navigating the, the, the move out and as I'm moving everybody online and as I'm continuing to listen to Chris and, and, and go into his work, I realized that he's been talking about this project, the Garden Project, for so long. And Recess Online, just by the nature of 2020 technology compared to six years ago when Chris was having his idea for the Garden Project, the technology almost lended itself exactly to the Garden Project. And um, while we made the shift online to experience uh, uh, being able to serve our clients in a different way, it wasn't with the intention of looking like the Garden Project. And I'm remembering Chris talking about it, and I'm like, holy shit, we, we really got a lot of this nailed. Um, we're already having conversations um, beyond just what health and strength looks like. We're, we're talking about internal conversations, internal strength, very much so on on these calls, as well as doing the physical part, as well as sending them writing and tips and things like that. And I, wow, I was like, this is, this is really close. And then there starts to be a shift. I create this new program. Um, I call it Man Strength, Strength for the Modern Man. And the reason I did that is because when I interviewed my clients, when my wife interviewed her clients, they started asking for things that were very specific to their individual needs. So um, the women in the group started really dialing into female-specific health, and who better to lead them on that journey than, than my wife in that way. And by the same token, many men uh, that we were working with were all seemed to be challenged with the same thing. And I said, oh, I, you know, what are your challenges? And they told me, and I said, man, I, I know how to make something for that. I, I can help here. And so I decided to create this program. And the way that I'd set it up is that I'd have a, a you know, I wanted to have like a men's group, a modern men's group where we could get together online, similar to the the spirit of the Garden Project, as Chris would put it, and get together in the same room, create a format that allows each man to share what they're going through individually. And again, I created this with the idea that we'd be talking about health. And I'd offer free calls every week. I'd put it out there. And once I did, once I put it out, hey, I have this idea, Do you, you know, based on some fee- early feedback that I've gotten, would you like to join me? I got a ton of support and feedback and interest. And 100% of those people were men that I've known personally in many different areas of my life. 
Um, friends of mine from the UK based in Korea. Friends of mine from Hong Kong based in Korea. And Hong Kong is going through a tremendous amount of change. And in, 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 in from my understanding, if you ask the majority of Hong Kong how they feel about it, I would say they wouldn't be too happy about, th- about the way things are going. Democracy is being taken away from them. So he's really struggling with this. A friend of mine from Australia, former colleagues from charter school education, members of recess, friends. Uh, I've even had former teachers and classmates reach out to me. All before this tipping point that became the George, George Floyd incident. And all of a sudden, this whole idea, this whole plan that I had for what Modern Men's Group was and how I was going to grow it and how I'm going to scale it and all this stuff, it just... The importance of all that really took a back seat to what was needed, to what people were asking me for. And that was a space where conversations can go deeper, where they need to go deeper, but in a way, in a format that allows, not for debate, that's not what we're here. We're not here to put down or fight with our minds right now. What we need is to turn the turn the the mirror back on ourself and see where I, where I can grow. If I desire to see change in my, in my community, it has to start with me. So I knew that the conversation needed to go deeper, but the conversations themselves needed an upgrade. And I have tools for that. And I said, wow, the definition, the, you know, language is one of those tools and just the definition of what it means to be strong right now needed to expand. And so that's where I'm going, but now it's become, it's become something else. It's become an act of service. It's become a way that I can, can show up. But at the same time, at the same time all of this is happening, me personally, I'm navigating two moves at the same time. I'm moving out of my gym. I'm, I'm dismantling, shelving, moving, selling and establishing some sort of agreements with all the parties involved, I'm moving out of the gym, and and I'm currently in a move out of my house. <laughs> I have two weeks left in the home that I've been in, and there's a, a tremendous amount of grieving that goes into that. Um, and where I'm moving, I'm moving on to parents' property, and we're doing construction and you know, building an apartment, you know, repurposing other areas of the property to build an apartment for my wife and I. And it's just like, it's really crazy. Now, it's, it's also given me an opportunity to get, to get into a craftsman mentality. And for that, I'm really grateful. But it's a lot of time. It's a lot of energy. And because of the way the Modern Men's Group has turned now, it's, not, it's become something much different than recess. It's not recess anymore. And that's okay but I'm also struggling with the grief, the moving out, the I'm, I'm grieving society, the, these wounds that are so old, I'm grieving them and, and I'm experiencing so much anxiety around all of it. Because on the one hand, I have something that feels right to, to, to create this space for men to go deeper, to need that, that upgrade to, in their community, need that upgrade in the people that they're surrounding themselves with, and they need a new definition for what strength can mean to them. Absolutely, we want to be physically strong. And I'm, gonna, I'm giving tools for them to do that for free because I can, and they need it. It's needed right now. And 
I, I, but I'm experiencing so much anxiety about the transitions of it all, whether it's working, whether it's not going to work, what, what's going on in our society, how can I help? And yeah, I just, I, that's where I felt stuck. I felt stuck until today. And it's because of this episode that I'm starting to get unstuck. So what I'm going to do now is we're actually going to move through the entire episode all of episode 57, we're going to go through it piece by piece because on with by the time you're hearing that, for me it's tomorrow, by the time you're hearing it, on the four-year anniversary of a tragic thing that happened in Chris passing, what we can take away from that lesson is to go deeper into his work and really see, really look at how it can serve us right now. Not just getting strong and lifting weights. How can we be strong? How can we push back or, or re, rethink this anxiety that we're feeling? How can we make it something more than that? And, and you know, where do you even start? How do you ask for help? What, what happens if you have a block towards asking for help? Because that is, that is another thing, man. Is, I don't know if that's just a men thing. That might be a person thing. But man, I know a lot, myself included, a lot of my male friends, they have a hard time asking for help. And I understand that. And I've been stuck there. And Chris has a lot to share. So we're going to open up with the first 16, 16 and a half minutes. I highly suggest you stay with us because Chris is going to tackle how to ask for help and why it's important. He's going to tackle so much. And especially, he's got a great story about how to rethink uh, anxiety. And I, I strongly hope that you'll stay with us all the way through episode 57. And this is actually where we start the show. Enjoy. think anybody in this world writes a I'm getting the fuck out of here song <laughs> quite like Mr. Eddie Vedder. And it's fitting. I'm sure I've played that on the podcast before because it happens to be my favorite Pearl Jam song pretty much. If I'm in need of a pick-me-up, if I'm dragging ass in the gym, what have you, I'm going to play that song and I'm going to be all right. It's, it's fitting now. By the way, welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. It's been a while since I've seen you, but it's crazy 
times. <laughs> well, you saw me on Barbell Shrug, but it's been a while since I did a Barbell Beetle podcast. It's because it's crazy times. Uh, I play that song now because you're looking at, or well, you're listening to, if I'm going to be specific to the medium. You're listening to a free man. I told you, when was that decision made? <laughs> my decision to rip my life apart. <laughs> I guess that was January already? Maybe it was early February. But I made this decision to burn the boats. I wrote a blog post, because <laughs> that's very definitive. I, I, I podcasted about it. And I made this decision because you know it was a rough winter. Everybody goes through some wild, surreal time in their life when they, you know, all those sort of forces come together. They point to a necessary change. <laughs> you know, the times get wild, but at some point your life tells you, hey, man, there's a time to go for it, and that time is now. And that, that was my time. Now is my time to go off and do something that is, is blissful, is, is something I'm, I'm drawn towards, is something that restores me. You know, some jobs like the job I had, take away. You know, they burn you out in time. And some things you go after restore you. They give you renewed energy. They fucking make you get up with filled with piss and vinegar and go out into the world and do something awesome. And that's what I want, and that's what I'm going to take a shot at. Uh, it's going um, to start with some services I'm going to offer, that, that garden project I told you about. I'm gonna, I want to help people get strong, help them get mindful, and help them perhaps share their knowledge to other people. So all that stuff is unfolding. You're going to hear a lot more about it very soon because that's going to be one of the first <laughs> major projects in this wild-ass journey I'm going to go on. <clears throat> but that said, this, this process um, of real change, that's sort of the code word for 2014 for Chris. It's what I'm writing about. It's what a lot of my podcasts are about. It's what I'm facing in my life, and it's what I'm going to talk to you guys about and share if there's, if there's nothing else I do on the show, it's I share these emotions with you. Aren't you fucking lucky <laughs> to hear my, hear my blabbering? But the point being is everybody, dude, everybody's going to face this at some point. You know, Everybody's going to cross the bridge to change land, even though that's a very terrible analogy of saying it. <laughs> but you're going to face it. You're going to face loss. You're going to face turmoil. You're going to face that moment where you step into the crossroads. And it's it can be really tough, maybe far more tough than you, you imagine, but I think one thing I'm realizing now, and I guess this is what this show's about this week, is that it's er your perspective you take and the people you surround yourself with and the inputs that are coming in your brain, they are so, so friggin' important. It's really mad. So I think, you know, if you, if you go through a tough time and you're surrounded by negativity and pessimism and a lack of support and maybe the voices in your head are ones that are telling you things like, you know, Hey, man, you know, it's all good and all, but maybe you don't have the chops for this. Maybe that you're not good enough. Maybe you're not smart enough. Maybe even though you think this is what you want, maybe it's not. I mean, the resistance, the doubt is a common thing. But what if there's a silver lining to this, which I hope, fuck, I hope there is, <laughs> is that I think all that can be controlled. One, you got to surround yourself with really awesome people, which I, in my life, I'm very lucky. I've got, um, well, first and foremost, if I can get sappy on you for a moment. It's true. I've got a, a very lovely wife, Janie, who supports me in all my craziness, this life that is the Barbell Shrugged universe and this podcast and my writing. I am your typical, I am your typical moody, brooding writer type. I go through my ups and downs, especially this last winter when you know, I lost my dad and everything. It was a tough time, man. But I'm so lucky to have a, an awesome wife and 
a, a little caveman son who drives around his house at 100 miles an hour and makes life crazy as hell and fun and every day is just a, a blessing. If you got a, a family, you know, including the you know good parents, good friends, you know, I'm so lucky to have also really really smart, brilliant friends and the guys on the show and the guys I surround myself with and the ladies and everything, my friends. Uh, you got to lean on them. No human. Listen to me. Listen to me. <laughs> when you're going through a time where you need help, you got to take it. You know, humans by definition are very social. We rely on each other. There's no such thing as a solo path. Don't ever forget that. But also the other thing I wanted to say, and I guess this is the topic of the show, is that perspective is so friggin' important because it's something you can control and you can control quite easily. Um, and actually it leads me in, I guess, the first thing I'm going to hit on this show. I'm going to do uh, two stories and then two story times, if that's all right with you folks. The first one, I'm going to start off there's a story about anxiety I found online that I thought was really, really good, and I wanted to share. But um, I want to make quick reference to Christopher Hitchens, God rest his soul. He's one of my favorite writers. Whether you agree with him or not, it doesn't really matter because what he did was offer this really amazing point of view. Uh, he turned debate and discourse and contrarianism, if that's a word. <laughs> one of the best books I've ever read is Letters to a Young Contrarian. He basically argues that he presents a case for why it's important to take a contrary side and argue. Just because it creates friction, and from friction comes truth, and it's like a big you know, stir stick in life. It keeps things moving. It keeps questions being asked. It doesn't let us settle into ruts and you know, go down wrong paths. But Christopher Hitchens one time, I'm pretty sure it's Krista, that talked about why he hated Eastern philosophy and Buddhism so much. At the time, I really didn't get it. I mean, and at the time, maybe I wasn't really into it a lot myself, but his point was always one of, there's so much shit in the world that's wrong. There's so much like friction and heat and injustices and political turmoil and all this stuff. And how can you just sit idly by and just let it all happen? Somebody's got to get up in the teeth of the thing. Somebody's got to take the anxiety on head on and be the sort of yin to this yang. I don't know if I get the, the order right. But, you know, somebody's got to answer to this. If you sit back, then who the hell knows what can happen? Are you going to be passive in this? Are you going to sit around and pretend like everything is just you know, a patchouli party and, you know, let's all sit around and meditate and, and chant chantras. Uh, and there's a point to that. But I think what's really interesting is it, this article I read by Katie, oh, what's her name, Rolfi? R-O-I-P-H-E, The Joy of Stress. This was published on the Financial Times. I, I found it on Reddit last week because I'm a Reddit geek. Sometimes an article just finds you, you know, and you got to take note of it. But an interesting idea is how you really can't be all on Chris's side where you got to just fight the world, get up all up in its shit <laughs> and expect to sort of challenge it all on your own because that's not realistic. But also I see the point where you can't just be sort of always in and always passive because that's something I struggle with in my life too. I, mean, I do, especially during this time, I do my meditation and I have these moments where I can really sort of push the world back. It's hard to do, but if you make it a habit every day and a real practice, um, then you can achieve these moments where it's sort of like you can trigger a state where you're watching that favorite movie of yours and nothing else matters. I mean, if you really master meditation, I think that's what you can achieve, where when you, when you need to be present, you're so present where nothing else matters. It's hard to get there. It's hard to stay there. But it's essential. But at the same time, one thing I've always struggled with is that these emotions do come up. I do get argumentative sometimes, and I do get a little boisterous and on edge, and I like to talk shit. I mean, <laughs> let me just put it that way very simply. Uh, I'm very un 
mindful sometimes, very unzen. I, I get, you know, I, I get on edge. I, I get aggressive. I like to slam weights every once in a while. But it's the balance that's interesting. And I think Katie did a good job of drawing it in. Let me read you a few excerpts from this and what I think of it. Such a nice story. I, rec- I do recommend you look it up, The Joy of Stress. <clears throat> you know, search it on your Googles, and I'm sure it'll come up because it's quite excellent. Uh, in the modern age, this plague of anxiety, but is it all bad? Uh, Katie says no. Uh, let me read you a few highlighted segments. Do you know someone with insomnia who wakes up at 4 a.m. and ends up working and reading novels and cleaning closets and cycling through anxieties until the sky turns pink? We've all been there, haven't we? I know her, and sometimes I am her. That's a very nice opening sentence, I do say, Katie. Well done. Quite the writer. I'm talking here about the speedy, high-strung form of anxiety, the mind racing through a million thoughts and worries and ambitions and fears. There's a particular vitality in anxiety. I'm skipping around a little bit, but these are all the high points. A sort of nervy power that one can't, can't say is fun exactly, but is nonetheless slightly addictive. It can be productive in a crashing way. It gives us a feeling of motion, of momentum, of wheels turning, one gets used to it, maybe seeks it out. One inhabits it, sets up camp. And, oh, God, it is a strange way that anxiety can really kind of fuel you, isn't it? Now, is calmness overrated, I guess is the question now? Uh, there is something vaguely bovine dull about the state of being unstressed, isn't there? Is there something slow, unfruitful, stagnant, or dense about calmness? You, with your fruity cocktail under the palm trees, are you boring? <laughs> Uh, that's another line that reminds me of a Christopher Hitchens thing. I think he was him that said, you know, the worst sin you can commit in this whole fucking world, man, is to bore somebody. And I tend to agree with that. Like, even if you're not that skilled or smart, if you know shit about anything, if you're not that particularly talented or, or athletic or attractive, you can't really talk to women, you can't really operate functionally. If you, look, if you can just not be boring, if you can at least learn a few jokes, if you can at least project your voice and play with the tempo and be interesting and have at least a few things you can say always tucked in your back pocket, you're going to be all right. Let that be a lesson to everybody out there. Moving on in Katie's story here. I've noticed that when I'm writing something that makes me nervous or uncomfortable, where I have to walk away from the screen every now and then because it's making me feel sick, it's always better than when I'm writing calmly. Interesting point. When I'm typing away with cool professional detachment, what I'm writing is usually sort of blah. Oh, an alternative uh, to boring that is equally as bad. Blah is so bad. Um, Kierkegaard said, anxiety is the dizziness of freedom, which gets at the very particular counterintuitive joy of it in reference to anxiety. It's the bone-deep experience of possibility. Another way to think about it is that if you are safe, you are bored. If you feel comfortable, you lack desire. We think of stress as an unfortunate side effect of busy modern urban life. We tend to imagine that if we were all shepherds lounging with the, the, futes, the flutes and emerald grass, we would be redeemed. But in fact, stress may be a sign of an engaging life fully, or a sign of engaging your life fully, or at least intelligently apprehending it. Ah, and I'm going to closing points here. This is pretty cool. Uh, my mother, a prolific writer and inventive warrior, has a scene in one of her novels where a character is overflowing with happiness on a beach. Fuck, I wish I was overflowing with happiness on the beach right now. Well, after I get done shooting the podcast with you folks, I, I love chatting with you. I'll go to the beach afterwards. <laughs> uh, she is purely and completely elated, this character, with her husband and children. And because she is so happy, she intuitively scans the horizon for sharks. 
I've always vowed I would not be that person, but I find myself, even in my most exultant moments, looking out on a gray, foggy dawn in the city streets for sharks. The sharks, I have come to understand, only just now, are part of the happiness. I think that really does help. You know, when you go through a crazy change time, what are you going to feel? You're going to feel fuckload. <laughs> Excuse my French. A fuckload of anxiety. It's true. It's inevitable. And I think one problem people have, one mistake they make, is they assume that the, the stress is bad, that the, the anxiety that's causing fear, and the fear itself is, is something that is a warning, or you know, do not go down this fucking road. If you do, everything could fall apart. And that's what you feel, and that's what the little voice in your head constantly, <laughs> constantly tells you and reminds you of, as if you fucking needed to be reminded. You know, like, I even had my own mother tell me, um, well, you're going to leave your job, right? Yep, I feel like it's something I have to do, Mom. Well, have you, have you ever, have you thought about what you would do for money? <laughs> I look at her, and go, oh shit, you don't know, Mom. I sort of figured it would all work out, man. You know, you know, sip a sip a cigar and fucking, you know, take a couple sips of alcohol. I'm like, oh, just relax. It'll all work itself out. But it's funny to say that, but that's what the voice inside your head is sort of pushing at you. The obvious shit. The don't you know it's scary out there? Yes, I do. Inner voice. Yes, I do realize things are scary and things are, things are a little anxious right now. Um, but even a simple act of reminding yourself that, look, if you feel fear and anxiety over something, one, it is a great source of energy. Um, but two, it also keeps you sharp. If you went to, if you went to some big change, fucking blindly, like I'm gonna put my family and everything at risk, and I'm gonna do this, that, and the other, and I'm gonna just, you know, fuck it, I'll just, I'll figure something out. You felt nothing. What a warning that would be. It's actually the opposite. <laughs> so let me close that first. Um, a little statement by saying, if you feel scared as shit, that's a good thing. And keep in mind that that's a shark on your horizon and it balances out, um, to Christopher Hitchens' point, all the, the Zen moments. You gotta have both. You gotta fight every day for your calmness and your centeredness because that sort of calibrates you. But it prepares you for the good fight that is going into battle, going into this change, going into the work you need to do, the, the righteous work with a fucking positive outlook. That positive outlook um, will help sort of center you. Once you get tired from the fight and the anxiety wears on you, you return back to your, your stool or your little pallet, like I have behind me in my office, just a couple of blankets folded neatly, and I lean against the pillow and get my little upright position now for most of my meditation. And that's when you can sort of settle back in and, and calm yourself. So that's one lesson. I'll... That's one lesson on perspective. I caught, cut Chris off just a tad bit early there. Um, <clears throat> man, I just finished reading the Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. And while I had some inkling of an idea of what I was walking into when I chose to read the, read the book uh, at, at Chris's recommendation and apparently uh, at, at many, many readers' recommendation uh, in the 1970s, it was that I, the conversation, instead of just trying to walk you through what the book is, like, please, go, go read it. But there was, it certainly wasn't what I was expecting. Uh, and what I took away from it, at least how I want to turn this and connect it to what Chris just said, is that he describes the concept and he redefines for me what quality is. And giving you just like a very, very surface-level recap that there is a classical way of understanding things 
and there's a romantic way of understanding things and defining things in the world. The classical is about the underlying forms, what gives way to stuff. And then the the romantic is more of the aesthetic side, the art side, the creative side. What what can we create? Not not from which is it being created, but how what what is it that we're creating? And the author wants to connect these two perspectives using this word that he's called quality. And quality is something that you it's hard to define, and, but you but you kind of intuitively know it when you feel it. And Chris used a word there just a minute ago. He said the righteous the righteous work that you got to do. And immediately it made me think of quality just now. Like that, 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 that feeling of quality that you're getting while doing the work is righteous. And the thing is, is you can't do that work without the tough times. Chris keeps going back to the word balance, balance, balance. And, and the more I, I Zen in the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance was about balance, balance. And it, it just, these, these things keep coming up. And the reminder keeps coming up that we need these hard times, and we need the zen, the slow, the receive times. It's just got to be in balance. And, you know, the whole idea of that anxiety can be turned into fuel, right? I was, just before we started this uh, uh, clip, I was talking about all the anxiety that I was feeling and how it was some way like a barrier to action, right? Where it's, Chris just flips the script and says, no, man, it's not, it's not a barrier to action. It's the energy for action, as long as you know how to balance it out and keep it maintained. And, man, I really needed to hear that today. The other thing I needed to hear was that he said, quote, when you're going through a time when you need help, you got to take it. And I was just like, shit. You put that together with the, the anxiety being fuel, and now all of a sudden, the COVID-19 shutdown and the trickle effect that that's had on my business leading into the modern, you know, ultimately into the modern men's group that I thought was going to go one way that is looking like it's going to go deeper. It needs an upgrade. It needs that righteous quality to it. Um, we needed to expand strength, but I was so worried about doing it because I'm experiencing these other things in my life, moving out of the gym, moving out of my house, changing the brand trying to memorialize the garden project in some way, but being able to like create something that is in line with my values, you know, and not that, and there's a lot of crossover between Chris and I's values, but I was so worried about getting it right that I was missing this quality. It wasn't righteous because it wasn't the work that was, I was reaching out at, at somebody else's work. And, uh, you know, like it's, it's easy to do that when you idealize someone in some way, someone that you enjoy that is in your area of interest that you're like, you look up to. I look up to Chris in that way, but I also have to tune into my own quality, to my own righteousness, and that is scary. Uh, COVID-19, the George Floyd spark, like all of these huge monumental things that are in so many ways, so stressful, so unjust, so unfair, so scary and anxiety, like anxious. This this energy is coming to a absolute peak, and somehow, these are the conditions that I need. These things are my teachers. This is my moment to lead and to tap into my divine gift, which is connection to oneself. And to those around him, you know, cultivating balance in your life. Chris has taught me that. And, I, and I've had to learn how to do it for my own, in my own way, in my own quality. And realizing 
strength on my terms. What does strong mean to me? And it, I'm telling it, the more I keep digging at it, the more it's the physical strength is like so much easier than the other types of strength. It takes so much more courage in my belief to be emotionally strong, to be mentally strong, to be spiritually strong. It takes a lot of courage. And you got to be willing to ask for help, as Chris mentioned. And, um, you know, in that spirit, I'm going to ask for your help. If you like what you've been hearing so far, like, please share this. Please share this podcast, if for no other reason that you're sharing Chris's work. And I hope to just do my bit by giving you context for how to put this work into practice in your own life. You can leave a comment, a kind one, hopefully. <laughs> leave a comment. Uh, if you really value it, leave five stars. Only do it if you mean it and uh, keep it in integrity. But that is how you can help. Um, if you want help, if you want help for, for free, if you're a man or a woman, you can reach out to me, Brooks at now, meadowsmentoring.com, meadowsmentoring.com. If you want to get on the modern men's group call, if you want to go deeper into conversation, if you want to upgrade what a conversation looks like for you, if you want to expand your definition for strength, if you want to get on those calls, meadowsmentoring.com forward slash modern men's group, and men's is plural. If you want a reusable strength template and you want access to resources on health and on concentration and on breath work and all of these things, if you want a broader perspective and, and a template for being strong, physically strong as well, meadowsmentoring.com forward slash manstrength. All of this is free. I'm not asking for anything. I only want to be of service right now. And then as I start to grow this out, as I start to understand how I can be most of service, when you see a paid option, you can support that way. I plan on offering the services at $47 a month in the spirit of the garden project, which Chris said he was going to price at, and I quote, the price of a few albums a month. And so I, I want to expand this, and I need your help. And so here I am. I'm asking for your help. And I'm going to use Chris's work to fuel my own personal development. I hope to share that with the men's group itself, but I'm also going to honor what the men's group wants to be. And that is a space for men to come in and to really have bigger conversations about things like strength, what it means to be adaptable, what it means to be resourceful, what it means to be responsible. These are all big, big, big conversations that at face value, we can just write off as easy to have, but they're not. And um, the more that I dive into this project of uh, the modern men's group, I'm seeing that this is something that all of my men are asking for help around. How can I better express myself, express myself in my emotions, through my words, or express myself in a physical way? How can I do that? I need help. And um, that's what I'm here to do. And as I promised, we got a lot more ground to cover. We're about to move on to another clip. I'm going to do very little setting up other than to say in the next clip, you're going to hear Chris give us some practical strength notes. Very practical, very easy to use. And we'll pick up on that. And as well as a, a perspective shift. And uh, the, the quote that's going to come out of this is, is, is keep your sucker out. Keep your sucker out. And uh, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just leave it at that. We're going to pick back up with Chris. And he will be on for roughly mm, 
10 and a half minutes, and I will see you on the other side. Perspective. The other one comes from a, a, a training session I did last week. Uh, I know it doesn't sound exciting so far, but I'll try to make it relevant. Bear with me as I sit my English breakfast tea at Wednesday night at 9.42 p.m. Not really breakfast tea, but I'm going with it. It's too late to drink coffee. I don't want to be that weirdo. Um, I was out in the garage last week in more barbell club, <clears throat> doing a bit of extra training, having a bit of fun because that's really what training comes down to. Really, it's, It should be fun <laughs> primarily, and you should want to do it frequently because it is so damn fun. And also, I was trying to bring up some lagging points. I have, look, hey, when it comes to my 33-year-old form, just flesh, I got a lot of stuff that's lagging behind, a lot of stuff maybe getting to where it's a little worn out and it's tired of putting up on my bullshit. That's all fine. So I go out. I, I try to do some extra sessions here and there where I, I get some extra stretching in, even I'm terrible at it. My shoulders, my ankles, they're all tight like fucking old buffalo leather. It's really sad. But you too, friend. Those of you in your 30s and beyond, you'll shake your head going, yep, it's tough. And those of you who are really young go, I don't know what you're talking about, Chris. You're going to fucking find out soon enough, buddy. <laughs> you're going to find out soon enough. There's no excuse to stop, but you got to get creative and as the years goes by, goes by, sort of stay in the game. But I treat these extra sessions I do. I train mostly Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, you know, three main days a week. And that's what I'm going to recommend other people do in my little garden projects. It's, it's a really good way to get strong, stay strong without wearing yourself out, without taking away opportunity to do other stuff in your life. Because it's not all about training. You can't spend, well, you can, but I don't recommend spending five days a week for five hours in a gym. A day, that is. Uh, there's other interesting stuff to also pursue. But I treat these extra sessions sort of as tuning sessions. I practice. I, I loosen up. I practice my positions that always need work. Everybody can always work on that shit. And I try to pick up something heavy. Something heavier than me. <laughs> because what is strength, ladies and gentlemen? Well, I'd say primarily uh, strength is a skill. And if you practice it, you practice position, you practice form, you practice picking things up, you'll get good at picking things up. And adding a little frequency is really good. But with that, I, 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 I send you a quick warning. There's a big mistake that most people make when they do extra work. People fall into a common trap. And I think that is... You recognize you could be stronger. You recognize that maybe a lot of time went by where you weren't doing necessarily what you should have been doing. Maybe you ate like shit for a long time. Maybe you spent most of your adult life doing fuck all, sitting in a chair, you know, whatever. Um, but now that you're so into CrossFit, you're so into training, you're so into the idea of being fit and strong, you try to make up ground really fast. You try to rush, you cram it, you force it, you know, whatever. Uh, if you're saying, Chris, <laughs> this is you talking. Uh, Chris, that's never happened to me. I'm so patient. Fuck you, man. You're lying. Shut up. <laughs> I say that in jest, but we all, we all do this shit where we try to force the issue, man. Um, but extra means extra. You, you, you can't just pile on work to sort of force the ground to be covered on anything. Like, as, um, as Louis Simmons, a famous powerlifting coach, told me one time, I guess he told a lot of people this, but it's some of the best advice I actually ever got in training. He made a point to tell me, you know, more is not better young Padawan. More is not better, only better is better. It's one of those sort of obvious lessons that it takes a long time to sort of learn sometimes. You gotta break yourself a few times before you're willing to accept it. Mm. Uh, but it's true. And I think I can, I like to make this point a little better when it, with, with a music example, because fuck, everything comes back around to music, doesn't it? It's so important. Let's say you're learning an instrument. Could be guitar, 
Could be drums or whatever, you know, I play a little drums. Well, let's stick with guitar, because guitar, I guess, is the coolest of all instruments. When you're learning an instrument, does it do you any good to start with stardom in mind? To that, it could be any fucking thing, but it, do you start out with the finish in mind? Do you start out with some lofty goal of like, I'm going to be the fucking best at this, and that's why I'm going to begin? You can give that a go. You can do that with your training, too. You can say, I'm going to start doing CrossFit because I want to go to the fucking CrossFit games. Great. You are fired up and you're ready to go, aren't you? You are shot out of a cannon and ready to conquer the world. You're full of piss and vinegar. I like it, but I don't think it does you much good <laughs> to start with the end in mind. In fact, I think it probably derails you. That only leads to frustration, distraction, demotivation, and a whole fuckload of unfulfillment. You're going to have a bad time because when you chase the end, the end actually never comes. You just sort of keep chasing. You never fucking enjoy anything. As, uh, as Josh Homme once said, if you expect anything from a musical pursuit, you expect too much. And I think that's a very powerful lesson. What you need to do instead is you, you do it for fucking love, for the thrill of it. You wanna, if you're learning guitar, what you do is you pick a few chords that you suck at and you practice, practice, practice until you get it sounding right in your ear because that's the only thing that matters. Like, I can't do this now. Let me just nail this. And as soon as you nail it, you get that little dopamine rush or whatever. You go, man. That was fucking awesome. <laughs> it sounds great. I want to string two of those together. I want to jam with friends. Before you know it, when you have that attitude that I'm just doing this because I love it and it's fun and fulfilling, and look, I'm a little bit better than I was yesterday. With that attitude, I think you find that mastery just sort of unfolds. You get good at stuff um, sort of before you know it, but it happens on its own time. The ground covers itself. Yeah. In training... <clears throat> I couldn't quite get into that the other night, to be honest with you. <laughs> that sort of, you know, I was doing the extra workout and working on it, working on it, and I got to the end, and I couldn't quite finish because I was also babysitting my son. And I might add, I don't want to tell Janie this, but I was kind of doing a little bit of a shitty job because the boy kept on, like, running around. I had to, like, chase him down a few times. And, fuck, there was one time I had finished doing my deadlift, and I, I just saw him. He was, like, standing right there by the garage door. I just like bend over two seconds, pick the bar, put it down. And I didn't see him. It's like, oh shit. I can hear Janie sort of gathering her stuff because she had to leave and they drive off somewhere. She's like, hey, how's Max? I'm like, oh, he's fine. I go, shit, I got to find this kid. <laughs> so I go out and look for him. Look for him. Like, hey, Max, hey, it'd be really cool. Daddy would really love it if you'd show up. Uh, it turns out he was just hiding right around the corner, but he you know, jumped in some bushes or something because for some reason, kids just really think it's awesome if you scare the shit out of your parents by hiding. I used to do that. I used to like go to the Walmart or whatever, and I would just hide in a random rack of clothes. <laughs> you know, a random rack of clothes, and, and I was just like, oh, it's so fun to hide from mom as she's calling my name. Meanwhile, you're terrorizing and you know, destroying the heart of your parent. But anyway, <clears throat> so at some point, the wife pulls away, and I did find him. I bring him back in there. I say, oh, it's good. You know, he was just, we're just playing a game called Hide the Boy. She pulls off, and at this point, <laughs> at this point, my son just breaks down into the most desperate state of like hopeless, you know, hopelessness you've ever seen. Giant crocodile tears. He goes from being happy and joyful and playing on a nice spring day to freaking the fuck out that he's never gonna see his mommy again. <laughs> the parents in the audience might say, "Yep, that happens twice a day for me." You know what? It never gets it never gets any easier. Um, when you see your kid looking around like that, you feel just kind of like completely dumbstruck. I was like, oh, hey, Max, you know, you know, she'll be back in a minute. You don't have to worry about anything. 
it's, it's just it's okay. She's she's going to see some friends. She'll be right back. That shit doesn't work. This kid's life is destroyed temporarily. So I put him down, and I have this like minute long awkward point where he's he's losing all his shit, and I'm freaking out. I'm just sort of staring at the ceiling, going, "What can I say? What can I do to make this pain <laughs> go away?" So I stop and think about. It. I go, "Okay, now I know what to do." It. I look at him. I go, "Max." Uh, he hardly pays attention. I go, "Do you want a sucker?" <laughs> and with that, there's a slight pause, and then a slight smile, and then he does this thing. Where he goes, "Aha!" <laughs> And I go, okay, yeah. So I pick him up, take him in, uh, in the house, give him a sucker. And he sits down, he watches, uh, you know, Finding Nemo for the fucking 800th time and is happy as hell. And all of a sudden, everything's great. Just with this one offering of something that distracted him enough to restore balance. You know, all of a sudden, something that didn't, that, something that seemed as terrible as it could possibly get, now he couldn't even remember. All it took was me saying, sucker? <laughs> it's funny, but perspective can change everything. And your perspective can change so easily. Suddenly things don't seem so bad when the suckers come out. I think we're not so different as as these kids, really, as you know, these grown-ups. We call ourselves so fucking advanced and mature and all that. We're not any different. Sometimes things seem really bad and we we rush, we rush, we rush because we think we have to make it so we you know, I think we just have to hear the truth a little differently. Sometimes we just need to sort of tell it to ourselves. I think you try it every day. Remind yourself there's no rush, there's no real worry here, that the, the scary times aren't necessarily as scary as you think. I mean, if you, if you really feel anxious, you really feel worried, you got to remind yourself of the positive aspects of that and that it's not so bad to feel that way. I think as soon as you say it's not so bad, you pull your sucker out to yourself. Once you do that, I think you realize, you know what, fuck, man, maybe this challenge is not so bad. And if you can get that far... You can just return your focus to the preparation. I think you're going to find how just amazingly effective such a simple strategy can be. If you remind yourself during a tough workout, during a tough transition period, like I'm in now, to be honest with you, you remind yourself daily that it just will be okay, man. Um, I've got the chops. You know, silence the little voice in your head. You know, rise up and take on the challenge. It will be okay. Just keep your sucker out. <clears throat> well, I thought that was a nice little story. To I wanted to share that a little bit later last week, but didn't get around to it. Uh, that said, I don't recommend training and letting your kid run around the yard because that can be bad. I've learned my lesson. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Nice little moment of levity there uh, after some real straight talk that I, like I said, I, I've needed this whole time. Um, just to recap, like, why I put those two things together, because they, they were two, two different things. One was some practical strength advice, uh, but then the other was a moment where Chris kind of, like, pulled back the curtain and told you where he was struggling. And those are always very important, uh, at least in my view. They were, they were the, the ones that connected me to him the most, to him, have him drop a knowledge bomb and be like, oh, by the way, this is something that I'm working on currently as well. So um, this isn't like a top-down type of thing. This is me trying to share from personal experience. So I, I really have appreciated that. Um, let's start with some of the practical stuff, and that is he talked about his strength training Monday, Wednesday, Friday going heavy and then making sure that we're being uh, diligent with our accessory work, that we're not using it to overtax ourselves. Um, but And he spends his off days practicing position, form, frequency, and all that stuff. I just want you to know, I wanted to, I didn't mention this earlier, but like 
the man strength template that is free, the thing that I'm giving you is very much inspired by a lot of uh, Chris's work. Okay, so um, if you haven't and, and you want to get uh, an opportunity to, to patronize and to support Chris's legacy, definitely go to barbellbooter.com and purchase Simple Strength. Okay, definitely do that. It's very worth your time. And you can also use my program, the template that I've put out for everybody for free, again, to create your own program. I'm I'm trying to give you principles so you can understand how to create this for yourself. And eventually, as we're growing the Modern Men's Group to a degree, we're going to expand the community to include, uh, you know, working out, meeting up together virtually so we can hang out and lift and move and, and just engage in conversation while we're doing that. Okay. So, it's important to remember that like, you know, what I'm trying to present is slightly different in that I desire to improve my and anyone's ready state. I'm not, if you're seeking maximum strength, I'm never going to be the person to lead you there. Chris has walked way more miles in the absolute strength direction than I ever have, ever will, and ever care to. But what I do believe in is is trying to set up a system that allows us to be ready and consistent. So what I've done is I've put together what I, a 30-minute format that is possible for replication with any tool. It's a it, The program, the, the template doesn't give you any, it's a no-gear program. You don't need anything to be strong. You don't need anything to get started, okay? MeadowsMentoring.com, it will lead you to the Man Strength page. MeadowsMentoring.com backslash or forward slash Man Strength. You can get a free template. But the point is, is that this isn't about maximum strength. It's about being ready, okay? I love Louis Simmons's quote, more is not better. Only better is better. So craftsmen take a better is better approach. We're not interested in how many projects we can get done or how many reps or how much weight. We're interested in, you guessed it, the quality. There's that Q word again. We're interested in quality. Now, Chris mentions, and this is something that I agree with, that when you chase the end, when you, when you start with the end in mind, the, ne- the end never actually comes. You just keep chasing stuff. So I'm, I'm applying all of these lessons to the strength template, to the strength prin- principles, and I hope that you'll go over and leverage those resources if you need them. But this goes way beyond just the training because the more that I've been thinking about it, I also, recess, started with the end in mind. I fell into the trap, even in my most inspired, what I thought to be an act and gift of service, act of service, it was not. It turns out I hid from myself that I had started with the end in mind. Because even though, and even though it was, it has been a blessing for me and for many other people, and even though I have, I would never trade any of the lessons that I'm taking away from this experience, when I started Recess, I did so because I thought it was a really great business idea as well as a great call to action for people because Recess is a mindset. You can see the world as your playground. It's, you can use the world as your playground, as a call to action, and, and I imagined that this thing would be the, the driver of my ability to sit back and offer things to people for free, to give and give and give and give resources away. And here I was keeping myself from doing that 
because of recess, because I was under the gun of bills and making sure the building was taken care of and coaches had what they need and all these things that I was never actually doing the thing that I set out to do all along and that was to truly be of service. And as I mentioned, in my divine gift, my dharma, creating that connection, cultivating that balance, realizing strength on your own terms. And where I am now is that I'm choosing to listen, to finally listen and to take that lesson and, and, and integrate it with, with man strength, with, with the modern men's group, I'm not starting with the end in mind. I'm starting with the, the mantra, first things first. The first thing I can do is just reach out to men and say, hey, if you need help, I'm here for you. And here's how you can receive that help for free. Here's how you can do that. And I needed that perspective shift that Chris mentioned that keep your sucker out. You know, there's, there's no... Like remind yourself daily that there's nowhere to be exactly. You can take your time. And to be honest, like I was scared of starting over in a way. You know, I'm not starting over, over, but it feels in so many ways with with moves and with transitions that I'm starting over. And that's scary. I'm scared of not being able to do it. But, but Chris says the scary times aren't as scary as you think. And it's not so bad to feel this way to feel scared because that anxiety is actually the fuel, the pump, the other side of the coin besides the Zen and the, si- and the silence and the, and the lightheartedness that also needs to be cultivated, but it must be experienced both sides in order to, to, to really see real deep change in yourself. You have to be willing to take both of those things. And the best place to start is not with the end in mind, but as Chris has always said, the next best step towards that end. All right. I think, and I I don't know, maybe you feel this way, maybe you don't, but I think I've talked enough. But we still got about 17 and a half minutes of Chris left in the queue. He has two stories for you. I highly recommend you stay to the end. The first story is about stopping the chase and slowing down. And man, I literally just said those words to my wife last night, who, as Chris mentioned in his episode regarding Janie, I am so grateful for my wife. I too am the brooding, artsy writer type even though I don't write as often, I get emotional. I lose my cool. I've been losing my shit for the last two or three days. And um, I'm just so grateful for people like, especially my wife, and people that are close to me for being willing to offer me the chance to grow. Um, but instead of trying to rush towards that growth, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop chasing I'm going to slow down, and Chris's has a great story for that first. And then the second one is, it's, it's kind of like the, the bow that ties all this together. He calls it stepping in the right direction, but the direction that he's referring to is bliss. And I highly recommend you stay with him all the way through the end because, um, again, I needed to hear this. I myself am trying to cultivate that step trying to you know step towards my own form of bliss and it's because Chris decided to sit down behind a microphone to pour his energy and heart into his writing that he's able to share these lessons that I'm able to receive these lessons and and put them into practice in my own life so I can share them to you so I highly suggest you stick around for two story times 
And um, hey, listen, this is a big time of uncertainty. As much as I'd love to tell you without question that I'm going to catch up with you next week, I'm going to I'm going to save that. I don't know <laughs> if I'll be here next week, but here's what I can tell you is that behind the scenes, I'm going to be working tirelessly to be of service. I'm going to be working tirelessly to remind myself that being scared isn't so bad, that it's actually fuel. And uh, I encourage you to do the same. And like I said, if you want to support MeadowsMentoring.com, you'll find the link to the Modern Men's Group for the calls, how to sign up, the link to the free template man strength template. If you want to learn about cultivating your health and strength, please, that would be the best way that you can support me right now. I want to spend just a little bit of time in reflection as you, as you listen to these last two stories um, that Chris lost his life and his, but his message, his message, his work is still here to serve us. And I am so grateful for that. And I hope you pause in in just a moment of reflection in these last two stories and, and just honor this man and uh, give great, you know, give some gratitude for what he's put out and, and, and pay it forward, man. That's what we can do. So I will see you. I will talk to you when I talk to you. No promises here, but you know what's up? I will catch up with y'all on the other side. Chris, it's your turn, man. 17 and a half minutes, bro. Take him home. Um, moving on, I wanted to do two quick stories. Story time, really. I'm going to read two things I wrote last week. I want to do some more writing. I've got some ideas and stuff I'm going to push forward, but it's all about making the time. Fortunately, I have plenty of time now. Uh, I'm going to read you two stories. The first one is this Big Things piece I wrote. Looks here on March 24th or so. Oh, shit. All this emotion, all this, these words are coming out of the, tr- the transition. I think it's all relevant. So let me, without further ado, let me read this for you, folks. I think you'll enjoy it, and I think you'll enjoy the second one. Again, uh, make no promises that I won't pull out some sort of weird, terrible accent of some kind, but I'm going to try not to do that. Play it straight. Working on my storytelling skills to keep you captivated on the edge of your seat. Without further ado, let's get into it. The Big Things. Uh... By your buddy Chris. I don't have much room in my life for regret. Maybe I've outgrown it, that emotion, or maybe it's fair to say that I've sort of had my fill of it. This is not the sort of thing you can avoid, really. Call it a consequence of living, of just being alive. Everyone starts off in a similar spot, feeling a little bit on the small side, a few steps behind. It's that you don't know any better. There's no sense of boundary, only a sketched out sort of color pencil map covering, every, covering everything between you, your school, and perhaps your best friend's house down the street. What else is there to do other than venturing out in search of new fence lines and fresh stomping grounds? We all feel the need from time to time to make our life a little bit bigger, to push out into something new. We rush out looking for big things to climb over and to conquer, like little conquistadors armed with plastic swords and raw inspiration. In this case, conquistadors being a, a lighthearted thing, not an actual conquistador that slayed massive amounts of the population in North and South America. I don't want to bum anybody out. <laughs> but we venture on just the same. We rapidly expand our little maps. We move on to bigger and brighter things all the time. We spend a lot of time learning in the most effective and hardest possible way by running face first into more than a few of those really big things. I think everybody's been there a time or two. That particular pain is really common painful and very, very necessary, unfortunately. The famous coach John Wooden once said that's little things that make the big things happen. The big things, of course, are the goals. The end game is all about 
getting to graduation and beyond or the big job to, to that passion-filled career and all the weight that comes with that search. It's tough, man. To the setting of endless personal records in the gym, the earning of that hard ass that any man in their right mind would more, be more than thrilled to bounce a quarter off of. You name it, we're after it, the goal. On and on we go. In every last case, the optimal result hides in the little habits and rituals, actually. The tiny details. The positive perspective you water and nurture every morning over a cup of coffee and quiet time. There goes that perspective word again. And that way you make the desired outcome inevitable. Also, if you're me, it doesn't hurt to follow that up with a few Clash or Queens of the Stone Age tunes. That rhythm, impulse, and attitude goes a long way when resistance and doubt come knocking. And friend, they do come knocking. you got to prepare yourself for it. Be ready. It's all a beautiful reminder that there's actually nothing to chase down and climb over, really. That's an illusion. There are no walls to run face first into. No more bloody noses. No more feelings of missing out on anything. That fucking regret vibe only seems to come around during those times I find myself looking out at something that is somebody else's big thing. I ask myself, what could I have done differently to get over that thing? All the way over there. How could I have done that? You know, something different. Some other version of my history. But all that emotion passes away instantly, like a vapor. As soon as I realize that most of the big, obvious things within my view aren't mine for the chasing, precisely because they are someone else's big thing. It's not for me. It never was. It shouldn't be. One little shift in perspective is all it takes, and suddenly everything makes a lot more sense to me. I need no one else's map. There's nothing out there for me to conquer. The only big things in this world that matter are the things I choose to build for myself. What's the point of all that, folks? <laughs> Fuck, I don't know. It's a, it was an emotional moment. <laughs> but I, I think, you know, in my life, I started realizing I was putting a lot of effort into chasing things that were no longer things I wanted to chase. You know, I, I worked a job for a long time as I pursued Barbell Shrugged and my own podcast, my own writing, and everything else I did as a very part-time thing. You know, I spent most of my nights these last three years sort of staying up to like midnight or 1 a.m. in the morning. I know it's redundant. 1 a.m. <laughs> I don't want anybody writing me an email saying, you know, dude, hey, 1 a.m. is the morning. Okay, I get it, yeah. Point made is that I, I sacrificed what I really wanted to do for a long time in favor of what I had to do, in favor of what I thought I had to do. You know, anybody working a corporate job may find themselves going, you know, why, why am I doing this? I mean, it's money, but it's also expectation. There's a lot of social angles to it. I mean, people expect you to work some job and they expect you to get your ass up at 6 or 7 a.m. every day and, and work a job that's miserable because they got to do it until 5, so you should be doing, doing it too. There's this weird, weird social sort of construct around it. And not that some people, it's fine. I mean, that's what you want. But man, I just sort of found myself saying, you know, is this what I want? Is this what I want? Do I want to be missing? Um, big chunks of my kids' lives in the next 10 years? Do I want to you know, forfeit all that for the sake of a 401k and some sense of security? I mean, it's an illusion, that security. I mean, anybody with a big corporate job will tell you fucking the idea that that's a secure thing nowadays is laughable. That's, those days are gone. Oh, delicious tea. And I sort of asked myself that question over and over and over again the last couple of months. Like, what do I really want? And for me, it's like, the idea of stopping the chase for a while, the idea of slowing down, and even if it means like you know cutting way down your expenses so you can afford to do this, you know you can take a chunk out of that 401k or whatever and finance a shot at your dream. Whatever it takes you to do, 
I think slowing down and, and taking a hard look at where you're at and where you're going is very necessary. And restoring that perspective and saying, you know, maybe it is okay if, if this is not something I want to pursue. If, it's, if I need to step away for at least a little while, at least a couple months, and think about what I want, think about what I'm missing. I think all that's very important. Let me, let me get on to story time number two. I don't want to keep you guys all that long. A quick show to get back in the rhythm. I'm going to do a lot more of these too, ladies, ladies and gentlemen. A lot more is coming down the pipeline for you. That may be a good or bad thing. You're going to hear this sexy voice. Uh, lots. <laughs> this story is called A Step in the Right Direction. Um, and I think it's pretty good. I mean, it's all out of the same emotion, and I hope you dig it. You ready? Here we go. Have you ever seen a monkey trap in action? What a great titillating first sentence. It's fascinating, really. You just sort of place a little chunk of fruit or something down in an anchored container. And then you wait. Assuming there are monkeys around for the catching, it's inevitable that one will traipse right on by and make a grab at that fruit, that meat, that whatever. There's no hook, no snare, no jagged metal teeth to bite down in the soft flesh and to capture anything. There's only the craving of that little beast and a tiny little hole that's not quite big enough for a clenched fist to pass through. The monkey wants what it wants. <laughs> it will never let go, not even with a, when a hunter with a giant club comes calling. At that point, fate just sort of happens. It's the only way out. Curiously enough, the trap works on higher primates as well. Yes, we are, in some form or another, monkeys who do the craving as well. You just need something a bit fancier and more alluring than a heavy pot and a few bananas to catch the higher ones. <laughs> Maybe a no-money-down guarantee would do. The promise of a sure thing. A safe thing. Even better, how about a good old-fashioned plan? The one you've worked really, really hard for, at great expense, for a really long time. Also, the one you would rather not let go of, no matter how miserable it's making you. <laughs> have you been there before? Maybe you have. Joseph Campbell has this perfect and often quoted line for times like this. It's a warning, really. If I may paraphrase, if you want to go on to that higher quality life, as you define it, then you have to let go of the one you planned on having all along. I think everyone has experienced that feeling at one time or another. I think we all recognize that the decision is much easier said than done as well. As I've been saying this whole show. As soon as you get your hand wrapped around something you really want, something that's really comfortable, the surest thing you can have access to, then you're effectively hooked. From that point on, you will sit right there next to your pot, fists clenched, waiting on fate to happen to you. If it's any consolation, the classic human traps usually don't come with a crazy club-wielding hunter on the other side, thank God. It's more of a probability thing, really. Sure, the old plan makes it feel like another bird could come flying out of that bush at any moment. If you just stay there, if you just wait, you might end up with two birds. Isn't that right? But no, the odds just sort of go down and down and down the longer you sit around. We're all being hunted by something. Regardless of what it is, the fucking thing is hoping, hoping we don't wise up to its strategy. So let's try wising up for a second. If we want to change an impulse, then we have to do something. Reaction for reaction, right? Effect follows cause, so maybe we just pick our own exciting cause and go. That must be the kind of decision that points you towards some kind of bliss, right? I choose to believe that anyway. As Mr. Campbell also said, you can only take a step towards your happy place after you let go of the old thing. That act alone sends you on a track towards kind souls that only want to open up doors for you. 
Don't be afraid, he says. There's no sense in backing away, not even an inch from the leading edge, the source, that one thing that fuels your best high-quality effort and helps you make sense of all this crazy shit, this world around, the music that always sounds right to your ear. This is a great point. I love this, this story I tell here. Uh, I was lucky to find David Briggs, and he delivers this very awesome lesson perfectly in a story from the also very excellent Waging Heavy Peace, uh, this book that Neil Young put out a couple years ago. In chapter 49, he gives us righteous two cents about what it takes to really make a great rock album, um, what's necessary, what's unnecessary. First, his lesson to all those new to the scene, those new engineers and musicians out there, beware the modern soundboard. It is just a big flashy spaceship with countless knobs controlling every conceivable frequency, tweaked in countless degrees in the pursuit of some shallow fucking perfection. It's all bullshit and unnecessary, you can be sure. You cannot be intimidated by this. You cannot let it stop you. You gotta ignore it. You gotta keep your ear tuned into what matters, what matters to you. Briggs took it all the way home. Sorry, I was a little quick. Briggs took it all the way home in the next few lines. What does matter? Simply put, for anyone who wants to make really awesome music, something that causes a visceral stir, a real reaction in people, go grab the best mic you've got and stick it right up close to the righteous source itself. From artist to tape, keep the smallest possible gap. Process and filter as little as possible. Know what matters and what doesn't. Treat the thing with reverence, and the right sound will come through. I am inclined to believe, Mr. Campbell. There's no sense in being afraid, especially if we are in pursuit of what sounds best. All we need is a little trust, step by step, toward the people you want to learn from, the people you want to be more like. Step to the energy, the source, and you're sure to change in the best possible way. It's what I have to believe, anyway. So let's put this idea to the test. Right on, right on, that'll do. Um, I am serious about that, man. I'm going to put this idea to the test that, and I'll give, you, I'll give you the results of my experiment as soon as I start getting the data in it. But I trust Joseph Campbell in that um, if you're willing to step towards what you really want, you got to do the first step. You know, reaction for reaction, just like fucking Newtonian physics. Nothing is going to happen in your fucking life if you're going to sit around and wait. Not because life's unfair, not because it's sort of just uh, you know, being stingy with opportunity, because it can't. It's just not the physics of the situation. I think, if, I think and believe and really, I think I understand that if you, if you really want to shake things up, then you got to do the fucking shaking. And if you do that, if you sort of show the universe, if I can get a little hippie on you, if you show the universe you're willing to step towards it and, and take on the risk and see it as a real opportunity and embrace it and not let the fear stop you. And I think that's when people are going to take note. People who are, you know, like uh, what you want to be, they're, they're, they are around what you would love to be closer to, that they are near the source. If you can step towards them, they're going to see that and appreciate that. And they're going to only want to open up doors for you. At least I'm, I'm trusting this. I'm going to put it to the test. I'm going to step closer to you guys. I'm going to do more shows and hopefully do better shows. I'm going to write more. I'm going to offer some things and, and try to grow this movement for better or worse and see how it turns out. But I'll, I guess if anything, I want to thank you for hanging around this long, both in this show and I guess the last couple of years and, and certainly the guys at Barbell Show feel the same way. But we're all just sort of going to go, we're just going for it, man. We hope to keep uh, sharing our experience and if it can help just a few people, then hey, that's fucking great too. But if I can leave you with anything for the show, it's that uh, 
take that chance yourself, man. If you're feeling like you need a change, uh, I do encourage you to get all your ducks in a row before you make some wild-ass move to burn the boats. Um, but don't let the fear alone stop you. You should. I mean, that's, that's the most natural part of this. If you don't feel that fear, if they make one closing point, if you don't feel that fear, then you have a real cause to be freaked the fuck out. <laughs> All right, folks. I hope you got something out of that. I know I did. It was fun. It was fun talking with you. Just a few uh, house cleaning items before I go. If you like the podcast, please, dearest friend, go on to iTunes or Stitcher or whatever it is you download the show. And please leave a five-star comment if you'd be so kind. I would really appreciate that. That helps every, everybody else sort of discover the show and maybe also get something out of it. You know, we're trying to spread the love. Also, you're going to see more stuff coming out from me, for good or bad. I'm going to try to do some more YouTube videos and stuff, more podcasts, more writing. But also, you'll see uh, some more content coming out around this garden project I want to kick up and get going. For those of you out there who, um, who are really sort of struggling to maybe get the strength gains you want, to bust through plateaus, to make room in your life for the training, even though you've got a busy family life and you've got all these other responsibilities... Uh, you really want to make gains, but it's really hard, especially if you're on your own. You don't have access to good coaching. You don't have, you know, a box close by. Maybe you don't have the money to go train five nights a week at a CrossFit place or whatever. Whatever your challenge is, whatever you lack, could be community, you know, could be a, a, a support structure, somebody to help you just make sure you're doing things right. We're going to launch a cool service, a cool online community where there'll be daily wads, some webinars, and daily mindfulness exercises. And, of course, the most important bit, the most fun bit, the most awesome bit, um, nightly anything goes Q&A to, to help you coach, uh, you can help others, you can spread your crazy ideas, your, the books you're writing, the, the music you like. We're going to have a good time, man. So I hope to give you some more information about that soon. Uh, but until that time, folks, until that time, until I talk to you, your sweet faces again, I want to wish you nothing but the best. Go out and kick ass. Take on the fear head on. Don't back away from anything. Don't back away from your source. Until that next time, friends, cheers. Nice day. Peace.